Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, by whatever digital venue you have chosen to join us uh, with this morning, and we're certainly glad that you're here. And this morning we'll be continuing our series called Dark Night. We'll be finishing it up this morning. And then next Sunday morning, we will begin our Christmas series that we've entitled God With Us. And we don't know just yet what next Sunday looks like. That is whether we'll be meeting uh, virtually or whether we'll be meeting in person. But we're keeping a careful watch on the conditions and everything that's going on and anything that may be coming down uh, the line for us so far as any sorts of limits on numbers and gathering or anything else and, and the local outbreak that we've been monitoring. But we're hoping that we can be back together again in person. And we're asking everyone to just to pray to, to that end. But we'll be letting everyone know uh, very soon, as soon as we can, what next week looks like. But regardless of how we are meeting, we'll be starting our new series. And so I hope you'll join us for that. If you would, join with me in prayer as we begin this morning. God, we come before you and we are so thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful, Lord God, that we have the honor and the privilege of worshiping you. Father, we're thankful for this time we have together, no matter where we may be, uh, no matter how far away, miles away. We know that, uh, Lord God, there are people who are joining us out of state who are, are tuning in and other countries who are tuning in. Uh, to worship you this morning. And so, Father, we give you thanks and praise and glory for that and for uh, the reach of your message uh, across the globe. And, Father, we are thankful to be a part of that. We pray this morning that you would guide us through your word, that you would give us your understanding, that you would give us your wisdom, you would give us your direction. And, Father, we pray that you would grant us your comfort this morning as you speak to our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we wrap up our series called Dark Night, I want us to look at the idea of our sorrows. And this morning we're talking about tears in a bottle. That'll make much more sense in a few moments. But one of the things that we can absolutely be certain of is that pain and suffering and grief will be a part of each of our lives. And pain, suffering, and grief are proof that we live in a world that is in need of redemption. And with that in mind, it's easy to get very frustrated, it's easy to get discouraged, it's easy to feel weighed down by sorrow, by pain, by, by going through difficult circumstances. It's so easy, and especially given this year, I think that is very much on each of our minds, just the, the weight of difficulty and the weight of maybe some pain or, or, or hard times that just may be weighing upon each one of us in different ways. And so this is something that is very, very common. It's common whether it's 2020 or whether it was 2019 or any other year, pain and suffering and grief, they are a common part of the human experience. What are some things, though, that we can know for certain about grief, pain, suffering, and sorrow? Well, we do know a few things. 
One thing is, we don't always know the reasons for those difficult seasons. If you look through the book of Job, you find that the majority of the book of Job is Job talking to or listening to his friends who are coming to comfort him. And the way they comfort him is they try to explain, this is the reason that you're suffering, Job, and all of them get it wrong. Uh, in part, they get certain things correct, but as a whole, they get it wrong. So not only does Job endure the loss of his livelihood, so far as his livestock is concerned, his wealth, his earthly wealth, the loss of his family members due to those tragedies, those things take place very early on in the book of Job. The lion's share of the book of Job is Job enduring the suffering of listening to his would-be comforters try to explain to him the reason that he is suffering. And so we, we find out that Job never does find out the exact reason for his suffering. So we might not always know the reasons for our suffering, even though it's common. We might not always know how long that process is going to take. And it's very, it's very common, you read throughout the book of Psalms, you find the psalmist multiple times writing, how long, O God? How long is this going to go on? We don't know how long that process may take. We also don't know exactly how that process might lead us, that process of grief, that process of pain. We don't know exactly where it will lead us. So many times in counseling, we talk about the stages of grief, and we talk about there are different stages that people go through. Well, what sometimes people don't tell you is that there's no guarantee that you will go through every one of those stages in that order. And there's also no guarantee that if you go through one of those stages, but what you might not go through it again and recycle through that process. So not only do we not know how uh, long it may take, we don't know the reasons for it, we don't even know the exact steps each one of us may go through in the process. Because sometimes when pain comes, it comes like a ton of bricks. It comes all in a moment. And then at other times, it's a cumulative effect. It's little by little, stacking one brick atop another brick atop another brick until the weight seems just unbearable. Well, those are a lot of things that we've just talked about where we just don't know the answer. We don't know exactly how those things are going to turn out. So you might ask, is there anything that we do know for certain? Are there any things that we can absolutely bank on? Well, there is one, and that is God is not indifferent to our pain. God sees our pain, and he is not indifferent to our pain. For someone who is a follower of God, for someone who is a follower of Christ, we find that our pain does have purpose, it does have meaning, and that God recognizes it, he sees it, he's aware of it, and he takes note of it. In Psalm 56, verse 8, there's this little gem that's tucked away in Psalm 56. You, speaking of God, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? The psalmist says, you've kept account. You've kept track of my tossings, of my difficulties, of my pains, of my hard days, of my sleepless nights. And you have put my tears in your bottle. So you find that if you look throughout history, 
you will find that there is a historical basis for that. You find in ancient times that people would take these small glass vials and they would take that glass vial and they would catch their tears. They would catch their tears whenever they were suffering. They would catch their tears whenever they were going through a time of difficulty, when they were mourning, when they were grieving. And then those tears would be stowed away. They would be preserved for some other time. And so the Bible says in Psalm 56 that God puts our tears in a bottle. Now, do we have a literal bottle that God takes? A literal bottle that God takes and puts our tears into? No. But we do find that God keeps track. That's the, that's the message of Psalm 56. God keeps track of our suffering. God keeps track of our tears. Notice what the psalmist says. Are they not in your book? Are, don't you record them? Don't you write them down? Don't you keep track of them? Don't you know what I am going through? So with that in mind, that God is not indifferent to our suffering and that God puts our tears in a bottle and that God writes them down, so to speak, God knows exactly what sorrow, what grief, what pain, what suffering that you may be enduring. With that in mind, what are some of the biblical truths that we can look to for comfort when we're going through that sort of dark night. Well, the first one is this. As we grieve, God comforts us personally. As we grieve, God comforts us personally. Grief and sorrow, pain, they are all very specific. They're very individualized. They're very personal. You might have had this experience. Maybe you've been at a funeral or you've been going through a difficult time. Maybe you've had some sort of loss. And someone will come to you and they will say, I know exactly how you feel. Well, can I give you the truth? No, they don't. They may know something similar to what you feel. They may have been through something like what you are going through, but no one knows exactly what you are going through except for you. I had that experience whenever my father passed away. I had someone come to me at his funeral, and someone said, I lost my father, so I know exactly how you feel. And so I, I said, okay, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. But in my mind, I was thinking, no, you don't know exactly how I feel. Neither does any other family member that I had whenever my father passed away. Why? Because my experience with my father was very specific to me. There were some shared experiences with everyone else, but I had memories. There were conversations that I had. There were things that, that ways that I understood my father and, and, and ideas that, that we exchanged with each other. And there were times that we had together, memories that nobody else had that I grieved in a very specific way. And so did each one of my other family members. And so whenever we go through a process of grief, we have to understand that it is very personal. It's very individualized. But in the midst of that, as we grieve, God comforts us personally. God is there for his children personally. He's there. He's near. You find in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. This is a promise. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 34. Verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
the crushed in spirit, the shattered in spirit, the broken to pieces in spirit, God is near to them. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to those who are shattered in spirit. Have you ever been shattered in spirit? Just so much grief, so much pain, whether it came suddenly or whether it came piece by piece, moment by moment, that it just seemed to weigh you down. The cracks started forming and you just felt brokenhearted. Your heart was broken. Your spirit was shattered. You felt like you had nothing to go to look forward to, nothing to go forward with. But in those moments, God comforts us personally. God is near to those who are brokenhearted. He's near to those who are shattered in spirit. He draws near to us in our pain. So as we grieve, God comforts us personally. Now, what's the ultimate goal? Now, the ultimate goal for God comforting us certainly is so that we know Christ and we're transformed into his image. But let me tell you another, uh, another thing that through that process that God does. God enables his people who endure suffering to then turn around and with the comfort that he has given the person who is suffering, he enables them to at some point in time comfort someone else. That's what Paul writes. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. All true comfort comes from God, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So that we are able to comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The comfort that God gives to us, we are to turn around and we are to use that same comfort that strengthens us, that same comfort that helps us move forward, that same comfort that we rely upon. We use that comfort to give comfort to others because God has comforted us. Now, if you're in the middle of pain, if you're in the middle of sorrow, if you're in the middle of deep grief, probably one of the things you're thinking right now is, my goodness, I have a hard time even getting out of bed. I have a hard time even thinking about how I'm going to make it through this day. You mean to tell me that God expects me to offer that comfort to someone else? Well, in the right time, in the right time, he will do that. He will not waste your pain if you will allow him to redeem it. You can, you can give that to God and God will ultimately use that. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been through a difficult circumstance or a difficult season and given that to God and allow God to work that work in my life and then later on have a conversation with someone who says, hey, I'm going through this situation and it's very similar to what I went through. And I'm able to tell them, let me tell you how God comforted me in my situation that is similar to yours. Not exactly like yours, but it's similar to yours. And I've seen God use that comfort before, even some of the darkest times that I experienced in life. So as we grieve, God comforts us personally, and ultimately we are able to comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. So as we grieve, God comforts us personally. As we grow weary, God strengthens us spiritually. How many of us have grown weary? How many of us have grown weary in suffering? How many of us have, have cried out, as we mentioned earlier, like the psalmist, God, how long? And we feel like we don't have any strength. We feel like we just can't go on. We feel like we can't put that one foot right in front of the other. 
And as we go through that difficult season, as we go through that hard time, as we feel so weak in and of ourselves, we can rely upon the strength of God. In Psalm 76, verse 26, we find these words, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My strength and my heart may fail. My flesh my, my, my physical ability, my physical ability to go on may fail. My flesh fails. My strength fails. My heart may fail. My motivation may fail. I may grow so weary of heart. I may grow so weary of mind that I just don't want to go on. Well, when that happens, we find God is the strength of my heart. And he's my portion forever. He's the one who sustains me. Well, many times what happens is when we find ourselves at the end of our own physical human abilities, that is when we begin to understand the sufficiency of God in a deeper way. Sometimes we have to be pushed right there to that edge and beyond, pushed beyond our ability so that we rely entirely upon God. A number of years ago, uh, I used to do a lot of rock climbing and and rappelling. And I remember the first time I went rappelling where you put on a harness and you, you attach a rope to the harness and you would anchor the rope and then you, you go down the, the side of a cliff or the side of a mountain on the rope. I remember the hardest thing, the hardest thing when I was learning how to rappel was, was getting away from that rock and releasing my grip on the rock. I remember the guy who was teaching me said, you have to lean back further. I said, I'm leaning back as far as I want to lean back. He said, no, you have to lean back even, even farther than that. And I said, you have to understand the farther back I lean, the farther away from the rock I'm getting. He said, that's the, that's the point. He said, you have to let the rope carry you. You have to let the rope it's just, uh, hold all of your weight. The rope has to be what holds you up. Right now, you're clinging to the rock with your own strength, with your own hands. You have to let go of that and rely completely upon the rope. And sometimes it's in the midst of difficulty, that's what happens. God pulls our grip away from the rock that we're clinging to with our own hands and we have to just trust fully in him and rest that rest in his strength rest in his ability and so sometimes that letting go is one of the hardest things but when we find ourselves growing weary God strengthens us spiritually and so we rely upon him we don't run to other things so many times whenever we find ourselves growing weary, we run to these other things for strength. We run to these other things for comfort. And so often instead of allowing God to work us through that process of grief or work through that process of pain, we try to find something to get our mind off of it. And we run to something else that will, that will numb that hurt, that will numb that pain. And in doing so, we actually extend our time of healing. And not only that, we introduce new problems into the mix. And so it, it's almost like an, an athlete who may be injured. And instead of allowing that injury to, to heal before they compete again, they just may take some painkillers. I'm just going to take some painkillers and, and I don't hurt anymore. But in doing so, you may end up hurting yourself even more and more deeply, more seriously, more permanently because you're operating without actually going through that process. And we have to rely upon God's strength in the midst of that process. And when we do that, what do we find? We can find God's peace by relying upon his strength. In Philippians chapter 4, 
you find that Paul has been addressing the church at Philippi and he's been talking to them, writing to them about the importance of praying and relying upon Christ. And then we find this in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It makes no earthly sense. This peace that God gives surpasses all understanding. It's beyond our ability to fully comprehend it. Whenever we rely upon the strength of God and we're, we're clinging to him and we've, we've been released from all these other things we may rely upon, in the midst of that deep grief, in the midst of that weakness, God, he find, we find God's strength to be absolutely perfect. And he gives us a peace in the midst of all of that that doesn't make sense to everyone else. Why? Because it's God's peace. That's why it doesn't make sense. It's, it's very closely related to John 14, verse 27, the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Those six words can absolutely, radically transform that process of pain that you may be going through. My peace I give to you. My peace, Jesus says, my peace. Now let's ask the question, how at peace is Jesus? Perfectly at peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He is completely at peace. He is at peace with God in the sense of there's nothing between him and God. And he is at peace with what goes on because he's in control. And Jesus says, my peace I give. So here's what we find. The peace that we have that is accessible to us, my peace I give to you. The peace that we have is the same peace that Christ has. The peace that he gives is the peace that he has. And the peace that we receive is the peace that he gives. And so we can experience the same kind of peace that Jesus himself experiences through him, through his strength, not our own. And that's why Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give to you. All the things that the world says, these things will bring you peace. Jesus says, those aren't going to bring you peace. I'm giving you a different kind of peace. I'm giving you a lasting peace. I'm giving you a peace that doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It's going to last. I'm giving you a peace that is going to actually grow stronger, can grow stronger even in the midst of the most dark night. I'm giving you peace that will sustain you even in the hardest moments of your life. I'm giving you that peace. The world can't offer that. The world offers a peace that always requires an update. It always requires more. It always requires bigger, better, faster, stronger, better looking, more expensive. Jesus says, that's not the kind of peace that I'm giving you. I'm giving you my peace. My peace I give to you. And when God gives us that kind of peace, when God strengthens us with the peace that is found in Christ, we find that we can experience true contentment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is giving a laundry list of all the things that he's been through and willing to go through in order to continue to minister. 
And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. He says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That's where we can be. Is grief real? Absolutely. Now, let me explain what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're never going to experience grief or you shouldn't experience grief if you trust in Jesus. It's not at all what I'm saying. Now, I know there are pastors out there, some of the prosperity gospel guys, they, they would love to tell you that. And I tell you, that's utter nonsense in the most literal way of understanding that word, nonsense. It is not sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's ridiculous. It's not even biblical. So we find that we are going to go through grief. We are going to go through pain. We're going to go through suffering. Even when we are completely faithful to God, we're going to go through grief, pain, and suffering. But we can experience that sorrow, yet at the same time rejoice. We can go through that process of pain, that process of grief. And that process of grief is a gift. God doesn't intend for us to just push grief under a rug and forget that it's there. No, we go through that process. It's a gift to allow us to, to heal. But we can be sorrowful, yet at the same time rejoice in the truths that we know from God's Word. We rely upon God's supernatural strength. Paul also writes to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Well, he's saying that Christ is the one who is giving him strength. And let's understand, Paul is writing from prison. He's writing from prison and he's saying, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is the one who gives me the strength. I can rely upon him. It is a supernatural strengthening that comes from God. But you'll only know his strength when you're living and operating through him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So if you're in the midst of that difficult season, and I know all of us have been going through sort of a difficult season, a difficult year. But in the midst of that difficulty, God's supernatural strength is available. We rely upon him. We call on him. We lean back into him. We rest in his strength. So as we grieve, God comforts us personally. As we grow weary, God strengthens us spiritually. And as we walk through pain, God assures us faithfully. Over and over again in the Bible, you find that God gives us his assurance that he is with us and he is going to redeem that pain. In Luke chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Now, it doesn't say you're going to laugh in the next minute. He doesn't say you're going to cry one moment and you're going to be laughing the next. But you shall laugh. You're going to rejoice. How long? Well, until it's finished, until it's over. Sometimes when I do counseling, I have people ask me, how long am I going to feel this way? And I always tell them, I don't know. I don't know how long that process is going to take. You're going to feel this way until you get better. And I know sometimes people don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. Because some people go through the grieving process slower or faster. But you're going to feel that way until you get better. And that's the truth. But in the midst of that, we can trust the assurance of God. If we're relying upon Him, it will get better. It ultimately will get completely better. 
You find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, Paul writes, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Notice that. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The final blow that is dealt to all the sinful consequences that we find on our earth, the final enemy to be destroyed is death. That, that one thing that overrides all things, that one thing that, that we all face and that we all go through that loss of a loved one, that thing that is the final enemy is death. And then when death is done away with, what do we find? Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Notice what will be eliminated. Death shall be no more. There'll be no mourning. There'll be no crying. There'll be no pain. God's going to set all things right, and all those things will be gone. And when that happens, do you know what there will be no need for? There will be no need for any more bottles to catch any more tears because that will be done. He's keeping track of our sorrows. He's keeping track of our pain. But the day will come, there will be no more tears. They will all be wiped away. There'll be no more mourning, no more death, no more pain, no more crying. It'll all be done. And so there'll be no need to keep track of them because there won't be anything to keep track of. God assures us faithfully that he is going to transform the world and make all things right again. The new heavens, a new earth, it's all going to be made over again. This former, this world that we live in, it's all going to be dissolved. It's all going to go away. And he's going to recreate everything anew. And it's going to be perfect. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief. But what happens in the meantime? Well, we still have pain. We still have sorrow. And we still have grief. And we still have tears that are being captured and preserved and stowed away in a bottle somewhere, so to speak. Well, what do we do during that time? Well, I think, I think one of the encouragements is found in Psalm 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Every one of us have some sort of season where we're sowing in tears. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? It's not the tears part. That comes almost naturally. But it's the sowing part. It's the continuing to go about our day-to-day and sow. Sow in the middle of tears. Sow while we're mourning. Keep, keep going, keep moving, keep walking, keep praying, keep worshiping, keep doing all the things that we do in the day-to-day normalcy of life. But at the same time, we're sowing in the middle of tears. We're sowing through the pain. We have to get up and we have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. And as we do that, We sometimes look around and wonder, how is the world able to just keep going on? Because what we want to say is, world, why don't you just stop for a minute and everybody recognize my loss? Why why doesn't the world just stop and recognize my pain? Why Why doesn't everything just come to a halt and listen to me for a moment? But it doesn't. It keeps on going. So what do we do 
we sow in tears. While we're crying, we continue to sow. But the Bible says that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. As we continue to sow in tears, the day's going to come that the harvest will come. And when the harvest comes and we see the fruit of all those times of sowing in tears, we're going to reap with shouts of joy. They'll be rejoicing. And the same thing is true for each one of us in our life as we look forward to the coming of Jesus and everything being set right. Right now, our whole lives, we sow in tears. We have moments of great rejoicing. We have moments of great comfort, great peace. Absolutely. But by and by as a whole, we, we sow in tears and we look forward to that one day where there's that harvest, where everything is set right. And we are going to reap with shouts of joy as we see Jesus as he is. And we see creation transformed and recreated into what he intends for it to be. Sometimes whenever we go through a grieving process, we go through a grieving process and we forget that we have a God who is very intimately aware and very concerned about that suffering. I don't know how you would go through a grieving process like that without that trust in a God who is good and merciful and kind, even in the midst of our most dark night. And if you don't have that assurance that there is a God who loves you and that, that your pain has purpose and it has meaning in the person of Christ, can I tell you, you can know that peace that passes all understanding through salvation that is found only in Christ. Now, I'm not saying come to Christ, he's going to fix all your problems. By no means. I'm saying coming to Christ actually creates some problems that you don't have before you are a follower of Christ. There'll be some rejection. There'll be some things that he calls you to, to put aside. There'll be things that, that you have to walk away from. There may be relationships that are strained because of it. Absolutely. But can I tell you, whenever you come to Christ, your life has meaning, your life has purpose, and you have something to look forward to. And the reason that your life has purpose and meaning is because now your life exists to bring glory to God alone. Glory to God alone through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and Him transforming you and making you more and more into His likeness. And whenever that is at operation in your life, can I just tell you, earthly pain, earthly pain, earthly sorrow, earthly difficulties, they start to pale in comparison to the glory that awaits us in heaven with Christ. So if, if you've never experienced that salvation, can I encourage you this morning, make that decision. Jesus came and lived a perfect life here on earth, died a sinner's death on a cross in our place, because that's what we deserved. Because, because of our sin, we are separated from God. And Jesus came as a perfect sacrifice in our place and died on our behalf. And if we trust that that sacrifice was sufficient, if we trust that what he did was absolutely sufficient, that God offers forgiveness through Christ, if we understand he took our place and we say, Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Forgive me of my sins. God, I want to know Christ. I surrender to a life following Christ. He will save you. And he will give you that peace in the midst of whatever dark night you may be going through. He'll be your light in the midst of the most pain that you can possibly imagine. He'll be there. He'll sustain you. He'll strengthen you. 
He'll comfort you. He will assure you because he keeps our tears in a bottle. And one day there'll be no more need for that when all things are set right. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your truth. Thank you that our suffering and our pain in Christ has meaning. It has purpose. It's not just some random thing that happens to us. It's not something that just comes upon us and, and has, has no redemptive value. But Father, you use that pain to draw us closer to you. Use that pain to help us see that this world, this earth, is not our final destination. This is not the way it's going to be always. You are going to set things right. And the entirety of the universe will resonate with the glory that is found in Christ. Father, we look forward to that day. But right now, we sow in tears. And we recognize that we will one day reap with shouts of joy. Father, thank you for keeping track of our tossings. Thank you for catching our tears in a bottle. Thank you for writing down our pain in your book. Thank you that you're not indifferent to our suffering. And Father, I pray for anybody who's watching right now, who's listening right now, whose heart may be broken, whose spirit may be shattered. Father, I pray that in this moment that you would be near to them, that you would draw near to them and draw them to yourself, that you would supernaturally give them strength, that you would personally comfort them through your word and by your spirit, that you would assure them faithfully that you're never going to leave them if they're your child, that you have a future plan that is more glorious than anything we could ever imagine. Father, I pray that you would sustain each one of us through our darkest night, through the heaviest storm, through the most deep valley we may walk through, that you would be there with us and that we would understand that and that we would faithfully follow you no matter where that path might lead, knowing that you are with us and that you love us and that you have given us a reason to take that next step in Jesus alone. And it's in his name we ask these things.